1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
2: Keys with it, man! can't believe it! Jordan's safe!
1: No, <laughs> he's to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: What about to McCullum, Shane? Might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first
0: one. Might try and slide one in there. Fast. Oh, <laughs> well, you well, called it. It's out. let right out. Let's come off Sam's head on the yeah. yeah. no, no, guy. You'll never see that again. Yeah. You, know, you
2: think you've seen it all, don't you? Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook podcast, I'm your host Tim Williams. Uh, we're in for the festive season, Christmas is just around the corner, the new year, big bash is on every night, uh, it's a bloody good time of year for everyone. Joining me on today's show, covering round five and six of the Supercoach Big Bash season uh, is 2019-20 Supercoach BBL champion, Tom O'Aiken, how are you mate and how's the sidetracking?
0: Yeah, good thanks, hope you fellas are well leading up to the festive season. Uh, Leading into this round four, I was ranked about 1,400. Personally, I've gone pretty hard on the Perth Scorchers, thinking there's lots of points on offer this round for them. After that first game, I'm fairly happy. Hope for a similar sort of repeat against the Renegades with a convincing Scorchers win. Agar, Ty, Marsh and Mills all scored some points, especially Ty and Agar. Hopefully Inglis and Munro can get over 20 playing the Renegades. Jilks as an emergency scored all right for me this round. Bartlett as an emergency did all right. I was able to hold Maxie in couch. I do have to play Hughes this week versus the strikers. Surely he's due. <laughs> I think it's solid enough and hopefully a bit of a rise into top thousand at the end of this
2: round. Yeah, nice, mate. Jilks and Bartlett getting a lot of people out of trouble this week. We know how thin people were on teams coming into this round. Um, so very relieved that they came good and got people out of some trouble. I've seen a lot of teams out there, actually, that can't field a full 11. Uh, Aaron Finch likely to play this week. is big for a lot of people. Uh, but, mate, you're looking pretty good there. Maxi boy, the former Sydney Sixers media manager, quick Australia commentator. He's a bit of an all-rounder, our boy, uh, and also very good super coach. How are you, mate, and how's the side going?
1: G'day, Tim. G'day, Tomo. Mate, I'm doing well, just back from the Adelaide Test. Had a great time, Uh, and the super coach team is tracking along okay. So currently uh, in 171st, so just about there where I started um, after round one in 152nd.
2: Just okay, Um, mate, in 171st.
1: Yeah, I guess the, the it's it's weird sort of watching other people's sides kind of move north and then just how happy they get. Considering I've just been sort of sitting very steady. So um, look, I'm I'm feeling alright about it. Some things are working for me. Um, Maxwell Skipper last round was good. Had a lot of stars. Um, got a couple of scorches as well this round. So hopefully they can uh, keep me there or thereabouts.
2: Very nice, mate. Tracking very well. Uh, the mighty Cooma Stallions, a good week last round, that being round, what would it have been? Three. 1,079 points, so into 393rd overall. Uh, jumped ahead of the Spy by a few spots, so basically the best Christmas gift a super Coach could ask for. Uh, also had a pretty strong start this week, although Tymon Mills not getting the last over last night in the Scorchers' first game of the round. Uh, That hurt because there was just that final week. It was just begging and ready to be his. He's my skipper this week. I went him over the more popular Marsh. Uh, But nonetheless, looking all right so far. So hopefully he jumped towards Maxi Bryden at the end of this week. Their Supercoach playbook in-house league dropped from first to second overall out of 14,000 leagues. Not sure how because we had a cracking week, but someone went even better. So not to worry, but hopefully jagged that top spot back after this round. On today's show, we're going to look at how to navigate the single game week coming up in round five. Uh, the first time this season, there's been no teams on the double. We're going to look at the Hurricanes and the Brisbane Heat. Deep analysis there, uh, being on the double in round six, which we're obviously covering in this podcast. We're going to have a look at Josh Philippi who's about to, well, peak in price in coming rounds. At onwards of $300,000, a lot of people sort of thinking, geez, uh, the form player of the competition, the top run scorer, is he worth antipodding at huge ownership and cashing in? Uh, We'll have a discussion about that one. Drop our pod antipod plays, trade skippers, a few questions from socials, uh, and also a ridiculous top sport market offer that will come in later, linked up with SC Playbook. Very exciting one there. Boys, let's start off with the first topic, and that is how to navigate the single game week. So there's no doubles in round five, the round coming up. There's none in round seven either. In between that, we've got the Hurricanes and the Heat on the round six double. Uh, the Canes, who have got some semi-decent supercoach players. The Heat, who are a bit of a basket case just for something new. Uh, I'll start with you, Maxi. How are you approaching it for the first time that, you know, probably don't have to go too, too hard on double game week players? Is it time to target pods? Is it time to target these single game week players, the guns who we've avoided due to the double game week scenario so far? Uh, Mate, what are you doing?
1: Thanks, Timmy. I guess there's probably two things to talk about. One are your on-field tactics and two are your trade tactics. I think first and foremost on your on-field tactics, um, single game weeks, it, looping is absolutely essential. Um, being able to both loop your skipper uh, as well as loop um, a batter and potentially a bowler as well. Um, so you, you've got to know what are the early games um, and what the what the late games are and, and, and sort of um, line up your team accordingly. Um, I think for me, even just looking at this current game week, we've got um, two okay games to start Adelaide versus Brisbane um, and the Melbourne Stars versus Hobart. So, straight away, your VC options Rashid Khan, um, if you've already got him, or Glenn Maxwell in that second game. Um, and then, if they fail, then you can always slap it on um, Josh Philippi, the straight C, um, or Mitch Marsh as well at the end. I think that's key. Trade-wise, I think there's there's lots of ways you can do it, and I think it really also just depends on your team setup. Um, It can be a great week to look for cash Um, if there's a a cow who's fattening up nicely with a nice negative break-even, you could bring in for a one-week loan, and then flip him for 20 or 30k more to someone for a double game week. Um, You can really stack your side um, towards a a double game week as well. And one thing to keep in mind as well. Now, even like a team like the Brisbane Heat, for example after this double they've already had their buy so they won't have another one so you could potentially go big um, them um, I think it's really really important though with this uh, with any sort of double 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 game weeks coming up now given that we know a bit about the clubs and who's good and who's not um, just to be a bit cautious about uh, not just in falling in love with the double so um, yeah I think I think that's it looping is key um, and building your team towards the, the the double game weeks that are incoming.
2: So, mate, we'll get to our trades a little bit later, but at this stage, uh, heading into round five, do you see of those three trades you'll have on the single game week, how many of them do you see being targeted at the Heat and Hurricanes for the double the following week?
1: I'd say one or two. Um, I think that there could be a guy like, say, for example, Tom Rogers. Um, who started out as a cheapy, His job security improved with a couple of injuries um, and he, he might have a negative break-even that, that's worth going early on him for the double. Um, and, and then I think it's just a matter of actually just sort of playing potentially the BEs. We know guys like um, Matt Wade and, and Darcy Short will be really popular for that double game week, but they're likely to have massive break-evens now after a failure last night against the Perth Scorchers. So um, one, if not two... But again, I think it's a really, really good time to kind of pause, take stock of who's good and, and start to actually look at the draw um, because if there's a team... Um, well, trading's easy in, in BBL relatively. It's not like NRL in other formats. It's, it's pretty sort of easy to kind of hold, hold yourself together and bring guys in. But if you can get ahead of the pack um, and, and pick a team that has a good draw coming up, and get someone who's potentially underpriced. And that's another really, really good tactic because um, above all else, doing that kind of trading is, is a great way as well to just separate your team from other people who will pre- predominantly be looking for, um, at this point, potentially either downgrades um, to make some cash in the bank or get those double game week guys in.
2: Yeah. And you make a good point there on – I mean, the two standout trades ahead of the double game week in in talking about round six will be Matty Wade, Darcy Short, both guys who are probably – well, they're going to have high break-evens when this round finishes. So while they would have been the obvious ones to go for ahead of round five in your trades, you've got to look at value as well and think, well, if I can wait another week, I might might earn me 30 or 40 extra K as they inevitably fall in price – um, and then you look at the Heat with an uncertain lineup, not a lot of appealing players there, aside from maybe a, a cut price, Mujeeb, who we'll get to shortly. Uh, it really makes for an interesting round of trading in round five. Tomo, how are you attacking the single game week, mate, and probably leading into the double in round six as well?
0: Yeah, some good info there from Maxi. I'm a little bit different um, in the terms of I'm still going to favour main trades around the double game weeks, and I'd be surprised if I didn't bring in hurricane or heat players over the next two weeks. I know sometimes this year, some people might have been a bit disappointed over trading in players on double rounds, but just as a personal sort of approach, I prefer to go around those doubles. Um, in the leading up to round five, um, you absolutely need to be taking advantage of looping and looking at matchups and things like that. Um, I suppose what for round five, I would really want to have lots of my squad playing. And with ample opportunities, I wouldn't really want to be relying on some of the players perhaps we've had to rely on early days for a score. So sort of your Hughes, your fraser McWurks, your Sutherlands, your Seymours, your Nilsons, et cetera, et cetera. I wouldn't really want to be relying on them to put up a score over a single game in round five. But in terms of trade-wise, I would be surprised if I didn't use all my trades. On heat or hurricanes over
2: the next couple of weeks. Yeah, nice. No, I'm I'm more in your boat, Tomo. I'll be using at least two of three on hurricanes players and heat players next week, and then it allows you. It'll give you people a lot of people still hold, you know, Bart, for example, or maybe a Mujib. So it'll give you three or four players already going into round six, and it takes a little bit of pressure off those trades. Uh, and then you might be able to go on on another single game week gun in round six uh, who might be bottoming out in price, say, a Daniel Sams or someone like that. Uh, Maxie, anything to add there or are we moving on?
1: I don't think that we can move on. But the only thing I, I would just caution is, it, it, again, um, for me, the break-evens are just going to make it a really tough week to load up on Hurricanes, just knowing that um, some of their big boys are going to face some big VEs. And um, having already lost so much money against my overall team value for the Melbourne Stars, um, from a few of their their big names, I'm just really conscious that um, waiting a week could serve me better in the uh, in the long run.
2: Guys, it is Christmas time. We're in the mood, so to celebrate, uh, we're going to drop our subscription price for the remainder of the Big Bash season down to fifteen dollars. Uh, We're all pretty caught up at this time of year with festivities and drinking and eating and all those good things. So if you need a bit of a hand with your SuperCoach side and some more information, $15, get you through to the end of the season, extra articles every round, access to our big unlimited group prize and plenty more. Uh, We'll also be cutting off eligibility for our unlimited group prizes very soon. I think maybe January 1, we've got earmarked. Uh, So get in our unlimited group now with the code 764098. A shout out to Roger don't really know how to pronounce it, but dime folk, who currently leads that group. So if you want to be eligible for those subscriber and non-subscriber prizes, uh, get in the group now. Boys, let's start with the Hobart Hurricanes, the first team on the double in round six, alongside the Brisbane Heat, who we've just spoken a lot about. Maxi, I'll start with you, and we saw what they put up last night. They've been dominated by the Scorchers twice in a row, who are looking like a serious, serious team, which is unsurprising. What's your take on the Hurricanes? Who are the blokes you you like, you don't like at the Canes? And I suppose the big one on everyone's lips and the two massive trade targets will be Matty Wade and Darcy Short, who people are going to flock to in coming rounds. You mentioned they're going to have high break evens at the end when round five kicks off. Um, What's your take on those guys, in particular Darcy Short, who looking okay with the bat but still pretty unconvincing despite hitting a few runs. Uh, And bowling, he bowled four overs two games back and then last night didn't roll the arm over. So he's a hard one to get a gauge on.
1: Yeah, he he is really hard to get a gauge on. Um, I think when I look at the double game week, first and foremost, you've got to look at the two matchups, and I think they've got two really favourable matchups um, against the Adelaide Strikers uh, at Blundstone, and then heading to take on the Renegades at Marvel Stadium. Um, Strikers and Renegades firmly entrenched at the bottom of the table, um, and even looking ahead a further round for the Hurricanes, they've got the Brisbane Heat straight afterwards. So three really hot games um, in a row. And particularly when you look at the strikers and the renegades, what they've struggled with so much um, is their batting more so than their bowling. Um, so while a lot of people will definitely look at um, at Wade and Short and, and even McDermott, and so they should, these guys are absolute superstars, um, it might be really, really nice and a bit of a pod movie if you can actually look and, and load up on the Hurricanes bowlers. Um, Loading up on the Hurricanes bowlers hasn't really paid off so far given that um, their job security has been uncertain. There's been a bunch of injuries as well and, and, um, you know, Bolan has been unavailable. Um, but the likes of Nathan Ellis, 145k, um, had a really solid start to the tournament. Um, Tom Rogers, I uh, mentioned him earlier, um, 76 points. I think in last night's game seems to be just getting, um, you know, one or two wickets every single match, um, and, and could just be um, uh, in the team now for the rest of the season, given Joel Paris is out. And, um, mate, and even- um,
2: just to interrupt you there. Throwing another spanner in the works was Riley Meredith yeah. coming back early from injury last night. I think he bowled one over, then was X-factored out of the game. But, I mean, I think he took a wicket last night on return. You'd expect him to come back and yeah. bowl close to his 4-0s for the next game, being a strike bowler. So perhaps the Hurricanes, and in particular their bowling attack, are worth waiting a week on. They're definitely their bowling attack to see how that sort of pans out.
1: Absolutely, and those guys are superstars. Riley, on his day, is unplayable. Even Scott Boland, if he is let out of the test squad, um, super, super handy BBL player. Um, So I think that that's what I'll be looking for um, in that Hurricanes double game week, playing two weak batting teams um, and potentially looking at their bowlers.
2: Do you see Wade and Darcy as must-haves or do you see an opportunity to antipod them for that double week?
1: Look, I I think that they're they're your classic... Um, superstar batter on a, on a double game week um, it's really really scary not to own them um, just looking at how big they can go um, I think what you want to do is particularly try and um, have a big watch on the Adelaide strikers bowling attack tonight against the Sydney sixers at the seg um, and have a look at the renegades bowling attack um, the renegades bowling attack looked a lot better when it had James pattinson in it um, and, and i would say arguably the strikers and renegades their bowling attacks you know they're kind of um, a good enough bowling attack uh, to, to make finals they their batters that are really letting them down um so it's um, the weight and short that they're, they're going they've got the difficult matchups um, against the bowlers um so you know you could you could antipod them um, and particularly knowing most people will go that way um that's that's kind of my thinking at the moment is just definitely sort of having a point of differentiation with the bowlers.
2: Tomo, what's your take on the Canes, mate? And interested to hear your thoughts on Wade and Darcy Short.
0: Yeah, I suppose because we've got Hurricanes and we've got Heat on the double in the same round, I agree with Maxi that the matchups Hobart have with Adelaide and the Renegades uh, looks better on paper compared to Brisbane playing the Stars and the Sixers. Um, Short and Wade are going to be heavy and popular targets. And short, even last night, he was still scratchy with the bat. Um, it's got to be really brave to go without short or wade for the Hurricanes double because if they score well, they're going to score big. I suppose it's also worth noting that the Hurricanes have played the Sixers and the Scorchers twice um, to start of the season. They look clearly the two best teams. So there could be a bit of an excuse there, for, especially for some of the Hurricanes batters for scoring a little bit poorly. Wade has had that one big match against the Sixers. He showed what he can do when he's on song. Um, Absolutely agree. In terms of break-evens, you could probably wait a week on them, but it's really brave not to have them in. McDermott was really good. His first game back was 76 points. He didn't score much against the Scorchers. He might not be as popular compared to Wade or Short, but when he's on, he can score really big. He's a typical batter with his scoring patterns, but they're probably even more exaggerated than a typical batsmen. You know, he's got huge ceiling. Last year, scores of 124, 141, and 151, combined with scores of sort of 0, 1, and 2. Um, playing the Renegades makes me think of that game a few years ago now when he scored 202 supercoach points in one of probably, well, arguably the greatest BBL game of all time. <laughs> Um, I like the Nathan Ellis. I think in terms of Hurricanes players, not just bowls, but players, he's sort of that no-risk pick. He's going to bowl eight overs over the double. He's going to bowl some key overs, death, power, play power surge. He's not that typical player that some other teams have that get the junk time wickets and get those cheap wickets at the end. But over two games, I think you're looking at a pretty safe score and he's unlikely to have an absolute shocker or stinker. Uh, It's not super coach relevant, but he's also a real competitor. So I like watching him go about his business. He showed last night versus the Scorchers that he can bat a bit. But if you're a Hurricanes fan, you probably will be hoping that he's not batting too much because it means you're not going really well. Meredith is the interesting one. I presume in terms of how they've orchestrated his recovery, he'll play a full game and not just the one over. I think they need his pace and his wicket-taking ability and he can score big. So he's got lots of big scores. Uh, Rogers was pretty good last game. He had a plan. He executed that full ball and that Yorker length well. I'm not entirely sold on his job security, but he did play really well uh, last night. So he's probably a watch or a monitor type for me at this stage.
2: Tomo, just on Meredith, uh, once he has fully returned, which we sort of suspect will probably be next game uh, for round five, do you see him and Ellis being the death bowlers for this Hurricanes?
0: Uh, Ellis is a certainty. I'm not sure about Meredith. Um, I've got no stats on the top of my, so I'm just going to the top of my head. Sometimes they've used Boland as well in terms of that sort of area, but Look, he might be. Rogers did really well bowling some key overs there, so if he's playing, I might give him another go too. So I can't say yes or no in terms of those sort of overs for Meredith.
2: Fortunately, we have a cricket almanac to our right in Maxi Bryden. Maxi, what do you got for us?
1: Yeah, I, I think Tomo, you nailed it. Bolland um, is is the other death bowler. Uh, Riley's best work is definitely done up front. He can actually get it a little bit expensive um, at the end with with batters just. Swinging freely um, and lots of sort of um, short balls and top edges that seemed to sort of fly into the stands. Um, the other guy who seemed to bowl um, pretty late for them in the last match was the Englishman Jordan Thompson. Mm. Now, whether or not that was the, the plan or not, um, I, I didn't actually watch the game and sort of see it too closely, but his figures sort of suggest that um, he could be uh, help help uh, fill that role if bowling isn't available as well.
2: Yeah, he bowled really well, uh, actually, Thompson, up until that last over he bowled and he got absolutely taken apart by, was it Ashton Agar who was just smoking them, um, Tomo? It was,
0: it was. Mm.
2: Um, job security-wise, though, as I said, he, he came in as the X Factor for Meredith, who will be back pretty soon. So probably just a wait and watch in round five. Don't go early on him, but Thompson's certainly worth watching. A hey, Tomo, one bloke we haven't touched on in that side that will pique a bit of interest – only two wickets in four games thus far this season, but Sam Sandeep Lumashane, uh, any interest there?
0: Uh, look, for someone that's going to bowl eight overs over the round, he's a really reasonable price, especially if you want to bring in some bigger name players or the more expensive players. Um, look, that price is good. He hasn't had a big ceiling game for a couple of years now.
2: Mm.
0: Even though he scored, I think it was just 12 points or so in last night's game, I think bringing him in, especially considering the opposition they're playing, I feel like there's a little bit of safety in that pick, maybe sort of a 60- to 70-point game. So it's not the most exciting, but I think he guaranteed some points there. So um, I'm neutral on him, but he's certainly someone I'm going to consider over my two weeks to trade in Hurricanes players.
2: Yeah, and again, on, uh, on this Hurricanes... Last night, just part-time spinners galore. So many of them, and that wasn't including Darcy Short, who didn't bowl. So a watch there. Sandeep, we know will get his four overs, but it'll be a big watch on their team for the start of that double on Darcy Short to see who he's named uh, in terms of your Will Parkers. Sandeep, we know, will be there. Uh, Tim David bowled a little bit. We'll, we know he'll be there. So if one of these part-timers uh, can miss out, uh, namely Will Park, who's not a part-time spinner, he's a full-time leggy, but... Um, If Will Parker misses out, that can only help Darcy Short's opportunity of bowling. But if Parker is named there, uh, a bit of a concern. Maxie?
1: What I would just say about Sandeep, um, yes, the low scores, but um, I actually don't like either of those matchups um, against Adelaide or Renegades for him, um, just given the, the sort of typical notion that leg spin isn't that good against left-handers. Um, strikers are likely going to have three um, out of their top four uh, left-handers um, in their batting lineup. Renegades similarly, Mac Harvey, um, Sean Marsh might be back then. Um, they've also got uh, Nick Madson in the middle order, yeah. uh, so I just don't know if I like the matchups against him. So even though he would be, pro- he will be uh, very affordable. Um, I will be avoiding him.
2: Yeah,
0: Tomo, anything to add there? Yeah, just generally about the Hurricanes as well. They've had a bit of variety in their lineup to compare to other sides. So definitely one you want to check their team list before we do some trade ins.
2: Big time, boys. Let's move on to our next topic, and it is one of vital importance. Probably more so for round six than round five. But as you said, we're covering both rounds in this podcast due to Christmas. Uh, Josh Phillippe, absolutely on fire this season. He's in a league of his own a little bit. However, he in coming rounds, pending what he does tonight, will be at around about $300,000. Uh, let's say in the next round or two that he does have a bit of a failure with the bat. Um, and that break even goes through the roof. He's close to $300,000, 72% ownership. Maxi, there's got to be a massive opportunity to antipod and sell Josh Philippi, cash him with all that money, uh, but we know that the risk by getting rid of him is real. Are you going to be tempted to sell him or are you just sticking strong as a set and forget?
1: Absolutely no bingo for me, Timmy. Um, and for me, it's just as simple as I don't think that there is an alternative anywhere near as good uh, in the game uh, right now other than uh, as Josh Philippi. Um, what he's shown, even just his ability to, to, to not only chase against the Melbourne Stars, but also um, bat first uh, as well, um, he's just on a whole mother level at the moment and I'd be too scared not to own him. Um, he's a player who, at the very start of the season, um, you know, I thought I'd seen something in him that might suggest that anti-potting him would be good. He got out really cheaply to left-arm quicks last season, um, and he really struggled against uh, teams with, with left-arm pace bowlers. But um, you know, if, if there's a player who's um, susceptible to stuff like that, the chances are the coaches already know it. Um, and he's been good enough to work on his game in the off-season and get even better than the guy who won Player of the Tournament last year. So um, as much as that money would make a huge difference to my team, um, I just don't think I could um, have a gap that big in my squad, at least not until maybe the end of the tournament in the, in the single game weeks when you might look for a wild kind of antipod move um, just as a, as a real Hail Mary if you're chasing cash
2: hmm interesting mate you're very short of that <laughs> very good to get your thoughts tomo i'll throw to you i'm currently leaning towards team antipod so i'm keen to hear what you think and i will mention that one thing that i am worried about in terms of antipod him and selling him in coming weeks is that he has a thunder in round five which is a, a tough matchup. before playing the renegades and the heat uh, so pretty nice matchups for him there tomo which way are you leaning
0: yeah, it's it's going to be a tricky one, isn't it? His form is just sublime. Surely he can't perform this well for the whole tournament. I don't like the idea of trading someone who's in this sort of form and just scoring ultra well. I was trying to think of a scenario where it might be sort of acceptable to trade him in, and I've only done this very briefly. So there might be a few holes in it, and you boys can feel free to pick it apart for me. I was thinking hypothetically in round six when the Heat and Hurricanes play their double, Philippi's going to have one uh, match and he's probably going to score really well. Looking at the possible prices, you could trade Josh, Philippi and two guys who are on your bench who are not doing much and you're probably never going to take their scores and we've all got a handful of those. Um Potentially, you could do a trade there. And with the funds, it might be possible to get Wade, Short and Lynn. So in other words, you're getting six batting innings on your field compared to one. Potentially, you could get more points there. But if you trade Philippi out, you need to get him back in at some stage. And it's going to be very hard to get him back in.
2: Well, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's not only... You know, you, you sell him for 300K for someone worth 150K and you make 150 grand on that. But if you do it when his break even is hopefully very high, in theory, he'll then drop to hopefully 250, 240 by that stage. So you're adding another 60K to that before you buy him back. So you're looking at a 200K profit. In the meantime, you're getting, you're turning four blokes worth around $100,000 who that, questionable sort of area of Supercoach where they're, you don't get a lot of guns, especially this time in the season around that price. You don't really want them in the team, but they'll do a job. You're turning them into $150,000 players, four of them, who there are guns littered through that that price bracket. Um, Maxie, it just obviously there's risks there, but the points that Philippi may even get, I can see you making up for quite easily in the trades that you will make with that money Um and in the event that Phillippe does flop and get a few sort of single digit scores, you just—it's a massive antipod move, and it will send you soaring up the rankings.
1: It look, it, it would be, um, but I think it's it's mostly for people who are in a point of desperation or just really looking for a serious pod. Um, but uh, but what I would say is that you know, he's had um, he's had three really big scores so far. Um, in the in the, BBL, in the BBL in four games, and the only failure he got was on um, a drag down on on a pitch that was really really playing tricks down in Hobart. So even in that game, who who knows how far he he could have gone? Um, I think the 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 part about it for me that just doesn't make sense is um, Adelaide tonight. He's got the Thunder next game. Who um, they they are a decent bowling attack, but there's not to say that he um, he won't do well. But then three plum matchups in a row against the Brisbane Heat, the the Melbourne Renegades, and the Brisbane Heat again. Um, gee, I'd be scared not to own him against the Brisbane Heat the way that they're going. Um, but then round nine, he's got the Perth Scorchers. Maybe, maybe just in, uh, in in some parallel universe, I could flip him to Inglis um, if he's opening the bowling there. Pocket, you know, maybe that's about 120k or more at that point, and um, and and that could be a one-way home. But for me, I'm keeping Josh philippi mm,
2: Yeah. He he plays the Scorchers twice in a row from, I think it might be round eight. In an ideal Nine world. Nine and 10, yeah. Yeah. In an ideal world, I'm hoping gets a few more runs in coming weeks and then flip him for that Scorchers double who do have a very good bowling attack, as we know. Uh, ideally then, but I'm willing to go earlier personally. So anyway, it's a big decision because it's going to have big ramifications on the overall rankings in head-to-head leagues and all that sort of stuff. So, Big watching Philippi and this won't be the last time we've spoken about him as a topic in coming podcasts. Boys, pods and antipod plays for the next couple of weeks. Tomo, who are you eyeing off?
0: Yeah, as a point of difference, um, personally I'm someone that likes to play the double game, but considering the Heat are not the strongest team and the Hurricanes are coming off a couple of poor performances, so as the pod I would say is avoiding those doubles and plugging in those fairly consistent scorers. So like your Sanger from the Thunder, Richardson, Sean Abbott, you could prioritise them as a trade-in rather than playing the double. And there is an asterisk attached to my other pod, but Sam Hazlitt for the Heat, if he was promoted to open, we'll chat in a little bit more detail when we do our Heat, but he's someone that currently at about 5% or 6% ownership, if he's promoted to open,
2: it could be a pod over the Heat double for me. Nice. a hey, Maxi? Uh,
1: four pods for your boys. Um, but, geez, when I did my research for this this morning, I was really blown away at some of the ownership on some big-name guys. Um, first one had a blinder in his, in his first BBL game, Saqib Mahmood from the Sydney Thunder, just in 0.01% of teams. So, oh, wow. well done on um, those people who brought him in against the Brisbane Heat. Um he, he's got a couple of tough games coming up against the Sixers and Scorchers. Um, then in rounds seven and eight, he's got the Strikers twice um, and then leading into a double game week. So um, he should have a low BE next week and, and could just be um, some guy who, who looks really good, um, albeit we still haven't seen if he's going to bowl death or not, um, so it could be handy. Um, another guy, double coming up if he is released from the test squad will be Scott Bolland. Um, less than 1% ownership, uh, probably just in a bunch of uh, unactive teams at the moment. Um, we know what he can do. He, he would be a really good guy to pick up uh, for the double game week if he becomes available. Ben Dorshuis as well, leading wicket taker in the whole competition last season, I believe, um, and really sort of the forgotten man just given that he missed the Sixers' double to start the season. Um, he, they've got the Heat, Renegades and Heat in rounds six to eight, and he's owned um, in less than 2% of teams. So his pedigree, um, job security good. He should bowl death now without uh, current. Tom Curran, sorry, and um, Ben Dorsch is a huge watch for me, just given their draw. Um, and then the final guy, Tom Rogers. So just got seventy three last night's um, Upcoming double game week, and I think his job security is improving a bit. So um, he's he's not in a lot of teams. Um, either is Sean Abbott as well. Tom, I, I love that call. Um, but just just a big watch on him. Um, should have another big negative break even uh, at about one hundred and ten k next round. So there is there's a couple of pods for you,
2: Tom. Mate.
0: Yeah, I thought a good question for Maxie who could enlighten our listeners. Uh, Mahmood from the Thunder, what would you say we put down his impressive score to? because he's a really good bowler or because they're playing the heat who had a heat collapse? Where would you sit on that sort of thinking?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and I'd say both. I think as well that he was helped by the Gabba pitch. Um, it looked like it really suited his kind of bowling. He sort of quick... He's got an action where he's sort of quicker than you think. I think he really just surprised a bunch of people because um, they they hadn't seen him. Um, I think the interesting thing and what would hold me off from potentially trading him in um, as soon as this round um, is just not knowing that role enough, um, just given the fact that the Heat lost five wickets in the power play meant that we don't know if he's going to bowl death. Uh, we'd suspect he would because... Um, you know, his mates offering that service to the Thunder right now aren't doing a great job, uh, in Dan Dan Sam's. Um, but I would say that he's um he he could be good enough to challenge the best teams and we'll see that when he takes on the Sixers and the Scorchers in his next two matches.
2: Very good. Uh, very quickly from me, antipod player was just going to speak about Josh Philippi, who we've spoken about in depth already. Pod play another bloke that we've touched on, and that's Ben McDermott, who I just can see him being overlooked by people for the double game week because of the likes of Wade, uh, Darcy Short. I know he's batting at number four and I wouldn't say overpriced, but at an awkward price at around that 150, 160 k mark. But uh, I think Tomo outlined him in quite good detail and what he's capable of. So really like Benny McDermott. Uh, probably wait until the double game week, though, as he'll be have a high break even next week guys top sport are offering SC an SC playbook bed of the week uh, an absolute ripper deal I know I speak about them every week but I keep drawing out these play performance markets where you can back your fantasy knowledge and have a crack yourself basically what they're doing this week is I've thrown a few a few different uh, options at them we've got Chris Chris Jordan to score over 25 and points Peter Siddle over 20.5 points and Dan Worrell over 20.5 points they're offering 10 bucks for that, which is outstanding because add them all up, it doesn't even get close to that. A same-game multi within player performance markets. You won't get it from any other bookie. Uh, it's bloody good fun, and I think it's a great opportunity for like-minded super coaches to have a bit of a crack at it. Uh, I think it's been in our articles, but how the player performance market works is just like super coach 20 points per wicket, 1 point per run, 10 points per catch, etc., etc. A bit more simple than Supercoach itself with no strike rate bonuses and a few other economy rate bonuses and that sort of thing. So pretty straightforward to have a crack at. So jump on, and if you are willing to have a crack at it and wanting to have a crack at it, should I say, uh, go to the cricket menu on topsport.com.au and you can chase that value there. It's under the SC Playbook, better of the Week. Uh, if you're doing so, use the code SC Playbook. if you are signing up. And, of course, it's 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. Um, so that, that bet of the week is what we're running with for the podcast this round. Boys, let's jump on to our analysis of the Brisbane Heat, who they're battling, as we know. Uh, their lineup is all over the shop, particularly with the likes of Mitch Swepson, Mark Steckity, coming back in from Australia, A duties. Uh, we saw Liam Guthrie drop. It was a bit of a three-way shootout there who'd been outstanding this season. Xavier Bartlett kept his spot and went very well for super coaches. Maxi, I'll start with you, mate. And who are the guys that have caught your attention there ahead of the round six double? Because there's probably not a lot. And one of the more popular ones of the past, Chris Lynn, has been battling a bit himself.
1: Yeah, look, they're a team at the moment that I really struggle to go, uh, go with, just given how poor they've, they've looked. But I think what you've got to remember is almost that, particularly with Coach, it is a bit of a process. Um, on a double game week, you can really afford to um, take a punt on a batter knowing he's gets two bites of the cherries and, and hopefully get points from eight overs of bowling versus four. Um, and the good thing is particularly compared to the prices that look, we were all prepared to pay you know in round one for some of these um supposed stars, um, you'll get a really nice haircut on that for for round six as well. Mm. Um, they're two matches, they're not great. Um, they've got to take on the Melbourne stars at the Gabba and they've got to take on the Sydney Sixers at the SCG. Now, their record against the Sixers uh, overall is shocking. Um, they've actually never beaten them at the Gabba, I, I believe. Um, their only two victories ever in the 11 years of the competition have come um, against them at the SCG. So they might do okay there, but again, the Sixers and their bowling attack, um, I-, I think that they'll outclass them. So um, I think I'll take a look at Lynn, um, given the price and the role opening bat. Can't argue with that. Um, the bowlers, if Mitchell Swepson gets released from the test squad, I think he's a really interesting potential inclusion just given um, the form that he's showed even the other night. A couple of wickets um, didn't get spanked around too much. He's just a really classy bowler. Um, and Majib again, teams seem to have worked him out a bit this year and he's not frightening um, as many people as possible. Um, but you just feel that you know it has to work for him one of these rounds and, and maybe it will be the double, but... Um, Yeah, look, they're they're tough to go for right now, the Brisbane Heat.
2: Maxie, interesting you say that you'll have a close eye on Chris Lynn as most people, everyone will really, realistically. Uh, He's underperformed so far, scores of 9, 27, 32 and 4. Not horrible, but not terrific. Mate, if my memory serves me correct, you took him on in round one when every man and his dog owned him and you didn't get him. You went for Moe Enriquez instead. Having not performed thus far a tough couple of matches for the double and now you're you going to have a look at him. What? What Has anything changed or is it the price or what?
1: I think it's just the price really makes the risk um, a lot lower. Uh, knowing up against a, in the first round double that he's going to have a big BE that he has to meet, um, two failures, he lost cash, he didn't make points. Um, it was just a lot more. Um, It was a lot scarier, I think, owning him in round one. Um, This is almost a a bit of a – it would almost be a bit of a pod move knowing that he's left such a bad taste um, in most people's mouths um, that that you could pick him up. Um, But again, it it worked for me in round one avoiding him. There's nothing really to suggest that he's going to go any better than he has. Um, But I am also conscious that he's still in about 22% of people's teams at the moment. Um, whether or not that's people who just haven't found anything worth trading him out for or not, but uh, it would still, it'd be quite a big antipod uh, avoiding him altogether.
2: I think a lot of those 22% of teams would be zombies uh, who, for yeah. supercoach nuffs out there, the super coaches who started the season, uh, got bored of playing after a few weeks and haven't changed their teams and obviously started the year with Chris Lynn. So if you look at that 22%, I reckon you'd find he's probably in under sort of 15 or 10% of actual sort of active super coaches and potentially, especially the ones up the rankings. Tomo, Heat thoughts.
0: Yeah. Heat are an interesting one, aren't they? Cause as Maxi correctly pointed out, there's going to be some players who picked at round one who are going to be able to pick again at a cheaper sort of price. Um, in terms of heat batters, none of them really interest me except for the obvious Chris Lynn conundrum. He seems, it is only early in the tournament still, or relatively early, he seems to have returned to the old hit or miss Lynn sanity compared to the really ultra consistent Lynn we saw last BBL. He is still hitting the ball well, I think. He's just picking out some ring fielders with some absolute powerful bullets. There's pressure mounting on the Heat to do something before their tournament hopes fade away. I don't think he'll be moved to down the order to number three, say, for example, because I think Bryant might be dropped soon and Brisbane will only want to find one opener rather than two. So I wonder if he might just rein it in a little bit and try and get a bit of some runs on the board. Um, Look, he's going to be really cheap for someone that can go big. He has performed well against the Sixers before, so that's a positive looking for someone. He is really cheap, so that will entice a few people, I'm sure, and I'm certainly one of those people that's going to be enticed. The only other batter, and I alluded to it a bit earlier, the only other one is um, Hazlitt. Um, He's actually going okay this year as a bit of a sneaky one, and he's someone they might promote up the order a bit. He's got 42 runs, 34 runs, 44 not out and five. Um, I think his price is actually going to be very similar to Chris Lynn when the double rolls around, which is just seems a bit insane when you think about that. Um, No other batsman could interest me. Bartlett, uh, quite a few people would have started with Bartlett, and he's been the shining light from their organisation thus far. Um, His bowling lately hasn't looked as good as the first couple of games, but his batting um, as well as I've ever seen him bat, and he's probably the form batsman from the Heat. Um, Steckity is one that interests me. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's been picked in the 15-man Test squad. He and hasn't. Yeah, so he's that's really bodes well for us super coaches because traditionally he's not one of my guys, and we all have these guys we like to pick more than others. Traditionally, he's not, but he's really improved, especially his last couple of years. Um, I'd rather lean towards Heat's bowlers than batsmen over the double. And I agree with Maxie Swepson. Swepson probably is more enticing than Majib. Um, as long as he gets released from the Aussie setup, 32 super coach points the first game, 60 the next. He's trending upwards. I think he'll get eight overs over a double. And, you know, that looks like a good sort of pick. Kind of the equivalent, I guess, of an Ellis from a Hobart perspective.
2: Mm, Maxie?
1: couple of quick points to add. Just on Bartlett, um, he's taken wickets in every game. He's bowled, but his price has just been so inflated by the the really unexpected runs he's scored while he's uh, he's batted. So you've got to expect the music stops for him um, in that part of his game soon. Um, so if you've got him, definitely hold him. But I, I would caution about thinking that he's going to come in and guarantee you a big score. Um, just given that you know it's so much just come off the blade, which is unexpected. Um, the other thing as well, just on, on Hazlitt, um, Tomo, oh, oh, Yeah, it's a good it's a good call, um, and I think that if he is opening, he could be worth a look at. But what I would just caution again, um, he's a guy who, despite some flashes. Has traditionally struggled with his strike rate. Um, he can tend to limp to you know ten off ten, or sometimes twenty off twenty, and really need a lot of time at the crease um, in order for him to start to to up the ante. Um, that's exactly what happened in in round one um, against the Sydney Thunder. He 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 limped to twenty runs, and then was lucky enough to sort of get it up with a few French cuts um, up to a higher score. Um, he did start pretty fast against the Perth Scorchers, um, but even against the Melbourne Renegades, where he did finish strongly, um, it was in a really, really low run chase with with no pressure on him. Um, you just kind of feel that in big games against the Stars and Sixes, where the pressure is going to be up, the bowler is going to be at him. Um, I don't. I think he's he's uh, he, he's probably overachieved so far, and um, while he might be for others, he won't be for me.
2: Yeah, few good points there, and just to wrap up the heat. Definitely would not be buying Bartlett because, as Maxie said, price probably infl- inflated due to a few runs on the board. Uh, but a few other things, you know, he was, was coming to a bit It was a bit of a three-way shootout between himself, Liam Guthrie, who I thought was a little bit unlucky on what he'd done in this competition. And I think it was Basley uh, with Steckerty and sort of swepts and returning to this setup. So Bartlett, I mean, the spot isn't guaranteed there. Massive watch on Guthrie, who has a negative 37 break even. If he misses their round five game, then gets named for round six. Uh, With that negative break even, a very good death bowler from what we've seen, so a good role when he does play. Um, Even if he was to only play the first game of the double and then not play game two, you're still getting massive price rises there. He's cheap. He'll he'll open up cap space for you. So I think Guthrie is a massive watch, Uh, and for Supercoach purposes, let's hope he doesn't play around five, keeps that negative break even, and then round six he comes into gear there, uh, one to watch. Boys, I know it's a little bit hard on these uh, podcasts so far out uh, on the on the double double round, should I say, podcast where we're covering round five and round six. But Maxi, throw me your the trades you're looking at and skippers for both round five and six.
1: Yeah, thanks, Timmy. Um, I'll start with the skippers. Um, VC Maxi uh, playing in the second game and then C on Philippi or Marsh. Um, and then, look, we're, we're talking about consider sellings. Um, and at this point, it's getting really tough because I do like most of my team, um, particularly now I've got a few scorches in them. They seem pretty safe. Um, I'll be keeping an eye on Garton and seeing how he goes against the Sixers just to see if he is good um, or if he's just kind of had a few inflated scores because of his wickets. Um, here, Khan as well, again, perfect chance to test himself against a great team against the Perth scorches and He's got to play them again next round. So if they smash him none for sixty, um, then there's every chance that um, you know, his his good run's over and he can be a sell and and cash in the sort of fifty odd grand he's made for me. The big one that I'm considering selling at the moment, and I'd love to get some thoughts on this one, would be Dan Sams. So we all know that um, how much I talked him up in the preseason. I said he's got the best role in Supercoach, and I stand by that. He's batted as high as um, four, I believe, um, at at times for the Thunder this year, which is just just amazing. But... um, He's just not looking good with the ball. Um, Death bowling hasn't suited him. Uh, He's not getting much support from his quicks around him. Um, And there's a chance that might change with Mahmood coming in, Um, showed some good signs, and I don't know how far away Brendan Doggett is, Um, but I'm just not getting what I want from him at the moment. Um, And there's other people I'd rather keep uh, over him. So any thoughts on that, boys, before I get to my targets?
2: Well, firstly, would you be happy to sell him knowing after this week he'll be around about 160K? Still good value there, don't get me wrong, but uh, dropped, what's that, about 40 to 45K?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't mind that because these next two games against the Sixers and Scorchers, there's yeah. every chance he could have shockers and, and and become even cheaper as well. He does have the strikers back-to-back in round 7 and 8 and the double in 10. Um, but, yeah, just in terms of people I'd rather keep like Stoinis, even Zampa, like I'm, I'm sort of banking on a bit of a turn of form in him. Um, Matt Short, I'd rather keep because he's got the Brisbane Heat next round. So there's just a few other guys I, I, I'm kind of prioritising just based on draw um, and performance at the moment.
2: Maxi thoughts? Oh, sorry, Maxie. Uh, Tomo, thoughts on that one and then into your trades and skippers? Yeah, sure thing. Um, Sam's has
0: underwhelmed a bit, but the role hasn't changed, has it? Like he's still going to bat and bowl pretty much in every game. I... I've got him, and I'm going to keep him whole tournament and just think that that role and a bit of an uplift, especially in well, both batting and bowling form, will see him be one of the better scorers in the game. So I'm going to keep the faith. Yeah, trades and captains and vice-captains, as you said, it's a bit hard early, but I would be getting a few of my scorches out because I've gone quite heavy on them. Munro and Inglis, and I guess depending if I trade Philippi or not, um, you could get rid of some of the duds on your bench. Um, as mentioned earlier, I would be very likely to bring in all my trades, a mix of heat and hurricanes, unless there was a gun on a single round that I'd needed to bring in for whatever reason. Um, names such as Short, Wade, Meredith, Swepson, Lynn, Steckerty, Ellis, they'll come under consideration and it'll just be when I pull the trigger on them. Um, Maxi in round five would be a strong candidate for a VC. Bartlett as well, you know, while he's going well, may as well keep rolling with it. Captain Philippe, Ty or Mills, um, they would be who I'm looking for. Um, in round six, I'm pretty sure the Hurricanes play first. So VC, if they are batting first, probably stick to VC or one of their openers. Um, in terms of Brisbane Heat, at this stage, it'd be a big risk to go someone like Ling and I'll probably go Bartlett or Steckity as my fallback back captain options.
2: Yeah, nice, mate. Hey, just on Sam's a little note, and I'm with Tomo. I'm absolutely keeping him, and I'm looking at skipping him uh, in the coming week for the single game week. The fact that he does have the sixes and scorches, I don't hate the idea that if they do get rolled, their top order a little bit early due to playing very, very good bowling attacks. Uh, Might bring Sam's in that little bit earlier. Have a bit more of a role to play with the bat, which I don't hate at all. Hey, Maxie, I didn't get your trades for those rounds.
1: Yeah, no, that's all right. Uh, Round five, the targets I'm looking at the moment, similar sort of strategies for a long double. So um, Tom Rogers I like. uh, Matt Wade I'd prefer over Darcy Short just because I think he's got a higher ceiling and just also looks in better nick. Uh, Nathan Ellis, um, and I'll have a big look at Mahmood from the Thunder as well. Um, round six for my cells, um, I, uh, and that'll be kind of post-round, so I'm thinking after the – actually, no, I've, I think I've got the order wrong. Um, but, yeah, potentially looking at Matt Short, well, I think the music stops for him pretty soon in terms of how he's gone, um, and we'll have to have a look at the other people. The right death of
2: Maddie Short continues, even as oh. – long-
1: yeah, it has to come soon. It just, <laughs> it just, it just has to. Um, and then other guys I've sort of got on my radars for um, uh, six and even sort of into seven. Um, Harris Ralph will come here soon from the stars. They've got a good draw and a double opening up. Sean Abbott's a bit of a pod. Um, Dorshius as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, I think the strategy of getting in people for the double will remain um, and trying to do that in round five and then um, get a flavour for how many I'm confident within six will be the strategy.
2: Yeah. For the Kuma Stallions, Kerr, Munro, and Nielsen out at this stage for round five in. I mean, it's, it's a big watch on them. And As I said, I'm going to have to assess my finances, but maybe Wade and Short in at this stage. I might just opt to go with one of them. Maybe go with Wade and see. Avoid Short for a week. Get the price drop. See if you can bowl and over. See what the team named is for round six. Uh, and then Dan Christian, the other bloke I'm eyeing off, who we're going to get to in a minute in the questions. I'm seriously thinking... Dan Sam's a skipper this week, not as scared as uh, as Maxi on that one. VC Glenn Maxwell, round six. Hard to sort of know who to get rid of, but potentially Josh Philippi. But again, as we spoke about, I think he's probably won for a few more weeks down the track. Um, Mujib will be hard to go past. I really like Mitch Swepson with you boys as well. Uh, and then to be confirmed. Boys, let's jump into a few questions before we wrap it up. And a really good one from Russ Banks to start it off. He says, what is the par for bat for a batting loop and a bowling loop in your team? So, you know, you've got them. He's talking auto emergency loophole. Um, I'll start with you, Tomo. What, what are your sort of loops, loop numbers for that?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. And I suppose you need to clearly consider who you can bring in off your bench. If it's someone, a, a weaker sort of player or someone that's scoring can be a bit volatile, it might mean you take a slightly lower score. Look, it really comes down to gut sort of feel for me, depending on matchups, how you're going in the round and all those sort of things. If I had to put some general sort of numbers, I think 35-ish, look, I would probably personally take. If your bowler took one wicket and bowled three overs, I'd be inclined to take it. And if your batsman reached 20, I'd probably be inclined to take it. But personally, it comes down very much to a gut feel and no magic number.
2: Yeah, what, uh, Maxi? What's your call on that one? And again, as Tomo alluded to, it's it's circumstantial. But as a general rule of thumb, what what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I'd say I'd I'd be pretty happy if someone gets to thirty points. Um, we know the longer this game continues, you just know how hard that is for some batters to get to. Um, thirty points usually means I've gotten to twenty and had a little bit of a bonus um, or a catch or somewhere. So um, that's about the mark that I look for.
2: Nice, uh, a good question for Rex for both of you. And I'm very keen to get your thoughts because I'm eyeing him off. Do you think question? Ah, question. Christian will revert to the role he had last year. Now that Curran's gone, are there? He says, are there any international signings or anything looming to replace Curran that could impact on Christian's role? What do you think of Christian's current form given his age? So Maxi, all things Dan Christian, chance?
1: Look, I think out. that it's absolutely um, logical to expect that he could return to somewhat of the player that he was last year. Um, the Sixers need death bowling. Chris Jordan's last game is tonight. Um, Tom Curran's gone for the season. Um, ben Dawsch is only just back, so they're going to need DC to to step up with the ball. Um, and I think that you can you'll get a really good look at and his role tonight what i would um, caution is just in terms of your expectations of him with the bat this season um it looks a different sixers team with the bat this year last year he was he came in to the rescue many times um he scored a, a bunch of half centuries it might have been 3 from memory um but came in at times when the Sixers were were almost dead and buried and and, and sort of, you know, we we all remember his heroics. Um, Adelaide Strikers, I think he had a 14-ball 50. Um, Melbourne Stars against them, he won the game. Melbourne Renegades, I think he he might have also won a game there. Um, But... The form of Philippi, the amount of balls that he's facing, even Vince has looked in good touch. Moses Enriquez is batting as well as he ever has. He's just not really getting the opportunities with the stick that he did last year, and it's just because he's not required. So um, even a huge chase last night against, or last week against the Melbourne Stars, 170-odd um, at the MCG, Jordan Silk got it done with Philippi. So um, I think he will um, move in an upward trajectory. I just don't think he's going to necessarily be that must-have guy that he was last year.
2: Actually, I was lucky enough to share a a scoo or two with the great Maxi Bryden at the Adelaide Test last week. We had a good chat about this, but not the exact Dan Christian topic, but just Jordan Silk coming in there around sort of number five, just does not want to get out, plays such an anchor role for them in the middle order. And there's always one bloke from the top order going nuts and he just gets them home and absolutely killing Dan Christian. Uh, Tomo, is Christian on your radar?
0: Yeah, I think he is on my radar because as alluded to by Maxi, the bowling stocks have taken a bit of a hit karen o'keefe and manetti gone down with injury jordan about to leave so there's a few ticks there in terms of possible bowling opportunities for dan christian i guess though jackson bird i haven't heard any updates when he could be back Maxi might be able to enlighten us there sean abbott around a bit more this year kerr a bit more up the pecking order as well so there's some crosses there i'm not really sure which is the stronger the ticks of the crosses for these bowling potential I think with them missing a few numbers, he will have a greater role. I don't think it will be nearly as good as last year. I mean, his form and his role last year, I don't think he it could be any better in terms of super coach. But he could be really, really cheap around that 100000 mark. Um, you would presume there will be a time where he will get some batting opportunities. So he will come under some sort of consideration. And I'm just looking at my side and hopefully if things... Um, go my way, I could personally upgrade someone like Will Sutherland to a Christian and it might not cost me too much on my bench and yeah, that sort of seems like something that looks a little bit appealing
2: Maxi?
1: Just three quick things there, um, the Sixers will look for another signing um, they were thinking spin up but they might be thinking death bowler now that Curran's out and Jordan's gone too Um Jackson Bird is returning to training off the long run for the first time today. So he should come back in the new year at some point and bowl, uh, open the bowling. Um, and there was one uh, other third point, but I have forgotten what I was going to say. Hey, so Maxi, I've
2: them. got one more quick question for you because we're running a bit over time and I've been dribbling on for long enough. You blokes have been delivering the goods as usual. Uh, but it's a question from the great man, Luke Richo, Luke Richardson. Just He's holding on to Moe Enriquez. I know he's mm-hmm. that I don't know if you still own him or not, but you started with him. Is yes. he a hold for you or a sell?
1: I think that Moe is a sell. Um, And I think with him, you just sort of go back to to history. Um, He was amazing for me, particularly in round one. Um, 178 points was the swing when I flicked Chris Lynn to him um, about five minutes before lockout. Um, But I sold him in round two for a nice profit of around $35,000, and I'm really, really happy with that. Um, He's a guy, in your batter slots, get bowlers, get all-rounders. He won't bowl much this tournament, Um, and his batting form is just, I think, too wayward. Um, You could even flip him now um, and look to try and get him in again in um, Mm. uh, maybe round six against those three good games, Heat, Renegade, and Heat, but he's definitely not a must-have. Um, just because I, th- I think the prospects of him getting to twenty every game um, are pretty low, and that's what history will tell us. Um, the only caveat on that is that he's never batted number three in a tournament for as long as he has, so yeah. that just does make him that little bit more appealing and tougher to, um, tougher to sell. But I have no regrets for having sold him after after round two.
2: Well said, mate. Well, that wraps it up for our round five six sc playbook podcast we'll be back for around seven eight coverage between sort of christmas and new year there uh, ahead of those two rounds so thank you very much tonight
0: thank you timmy merry christmas to
2: listeners merry christmas to you boys and we'll chat again in a few days Bloody oath, mate. thanks maxi boy
1: absolute pleasure timmy tomo have a good one thanks listeners as well
2: cheers guys thanks for tuning in
1: even on a budget quality is non-negotiable